It doesn't mean you're right. It doesn't mean you're wrong, but you have to have a take. Everybody can do social media kind of thing. The main goal of social media is posting posts. Don't be a douche. Maybe that should be the name of this episode. Hey, Anna. Hey, everyone. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the next episode of Operation Automation. And today we're joined by Daryl, the CMO of Agora Pulse, which I'm sure you've heard of before. But before we're going to talk about Daryl and social media and Agora Pulse and that kind of stuff, we're going to talk about ourselves, because that is the main point of today's episode, as you'll find out. Yep. And for me, this episode is something special because I'm not a social media kind of person myself. So, you know, mainly I use YouTube for entertainment and LinkedIn for career or professional purposes. So I've got one question. And this time it's not only a question to you, Anna, but it's actually a question to everyone who is listening to this episode. Like, guys, how do you use your LinkedIn profile? Since I'm the only one who can answer you right now, I'm going to jump in. But guys, if you do want to let us know, we are really interested in it. So please reach out to us in the comments, through our social channels, which are linked in the show notes, through the email, which is podcast at getresponse.com. Or you can send us voice messages straight from Anchor. We're really eager to hear what you have to say about it. And now back to us. So how do I use LinkedIn? I got to say, I'm pretty selfish here because for me, LinkedIn generally comes down to anxious job search. And just a quick disclaimer, I'm not thinking about changing careers anytime soon. Instead, when I get anxious and I'm a pretty anxious person, so a couple of times per day, I want to make sure that my career path is still there, that what I do is still valued and that the market really cares about the skills and experience that I have to offer. So I jump on LinkedIn, I check for possible openings, and I see that content marketing is still a big deal, which is always nice and heartwarming for me. So I know it's probably not an ideal LinkedIn usage, and I know that the original intent behind the network was probably something greater. And I guess, Irek, you are way better at this huge element of LinkedIn social networking, which is, haha, networking. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm doing my best. Um, but I think that it's perfectly fine. If you have your profile and you are a bit selfish, as you said, you know, meaning that you actually, you know, try to get out of the platform as much as you can and you don't actively contribute that much when it comes to content perhaps that's totally fine because you know even if your profile is relevant is up to date you are still you know you, you could be easily reached by people who struggle with something they would like to connect with you meaningfully right they would like to ask you or invite to participate in a project so this is still great I think that you are contributing a lot. And um, yeah, I found, for example, that LinkedIn is great um, before offline events. So for example, next week, um, I'm going to run workshops on email marketing in Warsaw. But because I you know, have my LinkedIn network, I could inform people about that, tell them that I'm going to be in Warsaw, and then invite them to take part in the workshops 
you know, so this is cool because now basically, you know, people know that there is this opportunity. Uh, if they have any questions, they could ask it right away. So they could help me prepare. So, you know, it is wonderful. So definitely networking and uh, tribe, as Daryl puts it, is there. And it's, it's a huge part of it. So this episode is great because Daryl shows, shares a lot of, you know, tips or, or, or like how to make the most of it. Yeah. And I think that's just it. That's what both LinkedIn and offline events, such as workshops or conferences or different kind of meetups work because you get to meet the specific people that you know are interested in what you have to offer. And at the end of the day, I'd even say this is probably a single most important thing you can do both for your business and your personal brand. You want to find those people who you really connect with, both on the professional and the personal level. Daryl and Eric call it a tribe. You don't have to get into the terminology, but if you want to take one single thing out of this episode, I would say just be authentic. Allow yourself to be a little bit selfish online. Allow yourself to share the thoughts you may not necessarily have the right people to agree with at the moment because you will find those who do agree with you, those who support you. And that's why social media is such a big thing because it doesn't limit you to one geographical area or one specific group of people. It allows you to be as authentic as you can be and not just as a person, but also as a business, because this is a business marketing podcast. Yep. And speaking of business side of social media, Daru also like explain how to turn social media into a revenue channel. And you said something about, you know, finding people who agree with you. This is great. But also, uh, as we'll be hearing in the episode, it's not the goal. So if you have like people who disagree with you, it's even better. It's better for the community. It's better for networking, and it's better for your um, social media engagement. So let's jump into the episode. Enjoy. Hey there, my name is Daryl Prell. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Agora Pulse. Agora Pulse is the industry's most notable, remarkable, amazing social media management platform. Myself, I'm a social media guy. I'm a revenue guy. I'm a marketer. I've been hired. I've been fired. I've been raising a lot of money. And if you follow me on Twitter, then you'll know I'm opinionated. And that, my friends, is who I am. That is the best introduction we've had. I love it. And before we move into the very important part of talking about social media, business, revenue, growth, all that stuff, we have the most important question of them all. And that is, what is the one thing in life you wish you could automate? Oh, 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 there's so many options with this. Uh, but I have an answer. I have an answer. The one thing in life I wish I could automate is my the preparation of my dinner, my daily, you know, meal, supper, dinner, call what you will, so that when I'm done at the office, I walk outside and it's just sitting there waiting and it's and it's done. It's automated, you know. You maybe you have these hoppers for all these different raw ingredients, and it just does its magical thing like on the Jetsons, and then boom, there's a meal. That's what I want. I want to automate that. Make that happen, you'll have my money. 
<laughs> cool, I love it. Cool. Yeah, that'd be great. Although I actually enjoy cooking. So if that was automating like shopping, that's fine with me. But actually when it comes to cooking, I pretty much enjoy it. <laughs> so I can't stand cooking because I, when I work all day, I, the last thing I want to do is go be frustrated and stressed out by, by timing different dishes at different times and different temperatures. It's just, it's, I just do not find it relaxing. So, but I get so many people do. I totally get it. I mean, I have moods. I have, it really depends. One day I can, like a week, I can eat a pizza for a week and I'll be very happy yeah. with it because I don't have to move a finger. See, my, my, we, you know, we, we compromise kind of like what you just said. We move a finger. It's usually on the phone pad to order the food to show up at our house. That's how it works for us. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I wanted to ask you about the role of social media in business in general. Like, you know, what, what is your perspective on that? How much time you got, brother? This is the social media is, <laughs> we get time? <laughs> we do, we do. We have all the time in the world. All right, so I'm going to ramble. Feel free to cut me off, interrupt me, challenge me, disagree with me. Please, I love when people do that. Let me set the stage, all right? So I was at a company for almost five years as the chief revenue officer. I had a good gig. I was well paid. I was respected. You know, I had a great team. And I left after almost five years to go where? To intentionally go to a social media management company. Why? Because in my observation, doing my job, and again, I have a sales and a marketing background. I have leadership roles in both. The one commonality that I do not see changing in for years and years to come is the prolific use of social media, both in developing new business, as well as developing a personal brand, as well as developing a corporate brand, as well as engaging with your tribe. So just think about what you do all day long right? You're in community, you're with customers, you're, you're, you're prospecting, you're, you're connecting. It's all social. So if the question is, you know, what's the main goal of social media and business? It's what I just said. All right. So first and foremost, the business person in me would say the main goal of social media and business is to drive revenue. Full stop. Okay. Driving revenue, though, can be done multiple ways. It can be done by developing and finding and developing new customers, as well as supporting existing customers, which will result in either an expansion of the money they're spending with you, or it will result in a reduction of churn because they're loyal to you and are willing to overlook some shortcomings in your offering because of that loyalty. So number one, the role and the goal of social media in business is to drive revenue, full stop. A second role though, equally important, is the role of awareness and thought leadership and influence. Because when you look at what, if you're looking for funding, a lot of your funding is not just based on the revenues you're currently earning, but it's based on the hype, the value around your personal brand. If you're looking to go public, similarly, a big influence is on the value of your personal brand. You know, I could buy Apple stock or I could buy HP stock. They both make computers. Whose brand is bigger? Apple. And they get a higher multiple because of it, right? So that's the secondary role in the first role. That's my long-winded answer. Agree, disagree, bring it on. Let's go. No, I mean, I absolutely love it. Not much to disagree with. I also love it how you connect these 
first-time customers or clients or visitors with existing groups and how you can use it for both awareness and retention in a way. Yeah. And one of the things we didn't talk about, so there is a third bullet there, and then I'm sorry, I'll go, I'll, I'll go back to you, is because you mentioned it, Anna, is the social media can be used to attract new talent. We're in a talent shortage, right? So we, you know, as prospective employees, we often have more than one offer on the table and we get to choose who we want to work for quite often. So why would I work for your company versus the other company? Well, it's because I perceive that you're a more engaged, involved, uh, connected company to the space uh, I care about. And I, where did I get that from? I got it from your presence on social media, typically, or the discussions taking place about you on social media. So there we go. Shut up. That's my three. I made it two. It was three, but I'm really done. <laughs> this is amazing. I wanted to go back to the first one because it's, it sounds great. I love it. When you said that the role or the main goal of social media is to drive revenue, this is amazing. But on the other hand, when I, when I look at, you know, some profiles, uh, especially like business profiles, I would say that from what I'm seeing, it's like as if the main goal of social media is posting posts. It's, yes. it's, it's basically just, you know, you, you try to post something that some people might find relevant, but it's very chaotic usually. Uh, I can't figure out like a proper strategy behind it. So my question is, uh, what are the challenges so that, you know, people, they don't find it that easy, actually, to turn social media into a, let's say, revenue channel. But yeah. they treat it as this sort of place where we need to post something because it's already six o'clock and we haven't posted anything yet. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing because it's so true. Uh, and what are the challenges? So you just asked a small question. Okay, that's just a quick, dirty question. Okay, what's the challenges? All right. Again, in no particular order, what are the challenges? The challenges are that most leaders, the leaders who control the budgets, whether it be for our social media staff or social media tools, um, literally do not understand social media. That's number one. They just don't, right? They're equating their own personal use of posting on Facebook or Instagram as being how it's done in business. And as we both know, there's a world's apart. Um, number two, the people who do understand social media are often younger and they don't understand, here's the irony, they don't understand business. They can't read a balance sheet. They're not yet accountable for driving revenues. They're accountable for doing their task. For example, imagine somebody who's a copywriter, you know, they write great blogs, what have you. They're not accountable for the revenues hitting tar sales targets, but they understand social because it gets their content out there. Um, so because they don't understand the revenue side, the finance side, they can't educate the people who understand the finance side, but don't understand social media. So both sides are to blame here. That's it's a, it's a sandwich, right? Um, bookends call it, if you will. So that's the first two things. The next thing is uh, a lot of, and I, I, I hammer this on, on my social media feeds, not stop. So many heads of marketing, VPs of marketing, uh, heads of marketing, CMOs, treat social media like a necessary evil. Your point, it's six o'clock. We haven't posted anything. Just go do something and get it out there, right? So when I go into my weekly review meeting with my CEO or with the leadership team, they can I won't get hammered because they'll see something on the timeline and they'll say, okay, cool, there's something out there. We're not ignoring it. But the reality is... <laughs> 
The reality is they do not treat social media as a measurable channel like they do for other channels like pay-per-click or trade shows. I can measure pay-per-click. I can actually measure it. I can say I spent $50,000 this month and I drove uh, a quarter million of lifetime value. I can totally measure that. Um, I can't do that well, easily in social media without it being a lot of work. And that's the last part. Why not? Because people are lazy. Because right now it's a lot of work. So to truly measure the impact of social media, you need to make every single link, and not everything can be linked. For example, on Instagram, I can't post a link. I can in the comments, but not in the post. So I need to make sure where I can post a link that it's trackable. Make it trackable, I have to create the UTM codes, and then I can track it maybe in Google Analytics or somewhere else. That's a lot of work. It's amazing how many marketers can't even spell UTM, let alone understand it. But if you don't understand UTM codes, you're never going to track it. So ignorance at the top, ignorance at the bottom, and laziness. So those are your reasons why. They're not treating it like a channel. And until enough people do a couple things, either make it really easy to create those trackable links. And I say that full disclosure, we have just done that at Agora Pulse. You can check it out. It's, it's a game changer. I'm not saying that to advocate. There's a reason we did that. We did that because it needed to take place so we can measure the ROI. Um, so you have to either make it really simple. Um, the second part is, is you need a lot of success stories where they're saying, oh my God, I just went through the economy. It sucked. I laid off half my staff. I reduced my pay-per-click channel. But you know where I survived? I survived because I increased the revenue driven by social media by 300%. And when people see enough of those stories, there will be adoption. So right now it's early days. We are nowhere near Main Street. We are at early adoption stage. So you're going to look for people who are if you're a marketer there right now, this is a brilliant time for you to go and define your career by using social media to drive revenue. Um, and then the last, there is one annoying excuse you'll hear, which is nothing that I just told you. The excuse you'll hear is, ah, it's just a lot of noise. It's really hard to be heard. That's what you're going to get. It's a lot of noise. All right. Those are my answers. What did I miss? Did I get it right? Did I get it wrong? Hit me. Come on. Challenge. Let's go. I have so much to unpack here. I have so many questions. Okay. So I'm going to start it. with the most basic one because it's something that Irak and I, as content marketers, we talk about a lot between ourselves. So there is this general approach to content writing that everybody writes. For example, I'm a content writer. I don't do social media very consciously because I know that I'm not good at it and a person who should be doing it should be a social media expert or social media manager, etc. How do you feel about the... Everybody can do social media kind of thing where HRs are doing it for companies or office managers are taking care of it, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, that's the classic in the job description. The, the one paragraph that always says, and anything else we didn't think of, you know, that you do ABC and anything else we didn't think of, which is like, oh, shoot, we need to do social media. And the classic line is they look around and they say, okay, who's young in the office and would probably like this? Oh, look, HR has a lot of young, you know, HR interns or just, you know, fresh out of school. Uh, same for copywriting. Um, and they'll say that person, that person can do it. Or they maybe have a bubbly personality and they assume because they have a great personality in the office that they would be great online. Right. It, and again, what does that go to? The point I was making earlier, which is senior management doesn't understand social media as a channel, as a tactic, as a strategy. And therefore, they're just making stupid assumptions. 
They're young. They must understand social media. Give it to them. And of course, what are you going to say? The answer is no, I don't want it. No, they're not going to say that because they're, they just, they just got the job. They want to keep the job. They're going to say, okay, it's it's a, it's a leadership issue. So go ahead. No, I was just thinking so many examples are running through my head when I worked at a company, it had a really great social media expert person. And he was also content creator, like content director, that kind of stuff. So he was doing videos. He was an artistic photographer. If you go to the company's Instagram, you can spot the moment when he was fired and another person took over because it was the year was 2020 and Instagram collages came back. (laughs) And and that's the thing, right? So that's the beauty of bringing in somebody who's got the raw skills, right? So in your example, that individual was passionate about photography and everything else. So they brought their passion with them into social media. What you're seeing there is the power of social media. The power of social media is to reflect the personality, to reflect the person. So that person could have been posting on behalf of the company, but they were injecting their passion for photography. So therefore the company benefited because they were like, wow, we like this company and this person who's staffing their, their, their content because it's fun. It's different. It's engaging. It's funny when I started doing social media and when I want to say when I started doing meaning, when I actually took it seriously, I'm as guilty as the leaders I'm giving grief to. There was a time when to me, like, for example, LinkedIn was just a place for your resume, for a recruiter to find me. And if I updated it once a year with the latest accomplishment or what have you, a, a new salary title, that was it. That's all I did. That's what I do. But that's so there you go. And in a total funny story, I had a, a significant uh, friend of the family come to me the other day to that point, and then I'll get back to, on task, um, where they said, hey, I'm not happy in my job. I want to look around, but I, you know, I don't know where to look, you know? And I'm like, okay, well, we got to update your resume. So we updated the resume, no problem. And then they said, okay, what now? I said, now we need to update your LinkedIn. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, dude, <laughs> you can go looking for jobs. But I said, the good jobs are going to find you and they're going to find you on LinkedIn. So let's go overhaul your LinkedIn. So we're like, okay. And we spent like an hour. We updated the LinkedIn it, instantly overnight. They had recruiters calling them nonstop. That's the power of social media to get found. So, and they were blown away by that. So I'm glad you update it regularly. That's a very smart move for your career. Where I finally realized social media was impactful was when I was uh, forced to, which is what's going to happen to a lot of people. I was competing against two other vendors who had raised hundreds of millions of dollars and were outspending me. And there was no way I was going to compete on pay-per-click or trade show sponsorship, all the usual technique. So the only way I could beat them without spending a fortune was on social media. That That's the first part. I treated it as a channel because it was helping me hit my goals. And that meant I would hit my bonus, my variable compensation. So that was the first part. Second part though, was to your point about your your the individual. I went to my CEO and I said, people don't buy from faceless, nameless companies. People buy from people. So for us to do this right, Somebody in our company needs to become that spokesperson, that evangelist, that personality. And unless I'm mistaken, I don't see anybody volunteering. So let me put my hand up and I'll do it because I was the CMO. I guess it's got to be me. It was interesting to see his reaction. His reaction, and it was not uncommon. His reaction was like, wait a minute, we already pay you a large sum of money. And now you want us to invest more in your own personal brand. 
And I, I knew where he was going. I said, let me guess, your fear is you're going you're gonna to invest in my personal brand and then I'll get poached, I'll get stolen, and all your money is gone. And he said, yes. I said, don't worry about that, right? Don't worry about that, all right? You know, I'm happy I'm here for a reason. I'm coming to you with a suggestion for a reason so that we're successful. And if that starts to happen, you will get the first chance to match that offer so I can stay, so don't worry. And so he had to trust me. A lot of people don't trust. And then fast forward a year later, his reaction was when he finally started saw the dramatic shift in inbound inquiries and how many times my name was coming up as in the conversation of qualifications. Now, how did you find us? Oh, I heard Daryl on this show talking to Anna. And uh, the CEO came to me and said, you're a rock star. Now, I thought he was being a moron. I thought he was busting me because we have that relationship. I'm like, yeah, I'm a rock star. And he goes, no, no, you are. Like, because I don't know how you did it, but he goes for negligible costs, you know, our, our pipeline has never been so full, you know, our customer acquisition costs has gone down dramatically consequently. So I did it a necessity. The rest of the world's got to, we'll get there when they're forced to, or when they see others like me having similar success. I think you're going to see the down economy that we're about to get deep and deep into driving a lot of this behavior personally, because now they're going to have to, because their budgets are going to get cut. Their staff is going to get cut. I mean, you have this amazing little caption there on LinkedIn, which says that you're voted top three marketers on LinkedIn. And what, basically what you just said already provides a very good example of how precisely it helps not just you and um, Agora Pulse or whatever other companies you've been representing before, but also the people who are searching for you. Because after all, like you said in the beginning, what we do social media for is to get this exposure, to share the influence and of course, to grow brand awareness. And probably if I followed you, I'm going to follow you right now, by the way, but if I followed you before and I was looking for, um, you know, social media automation software, I would definitely have Agora Pulse on my Reddit thanks to your huge online presence and influence that you're spreading. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, that's nice of you to say that, but, you know... You know, why do I have, you know, any influence I have, why do I have it? I'll tell you this. It's not because I go up there and say, you know, with every single post, hey, you should go buy Agorapults. You know, that's not what I'm out there doing. What I'm out there saying is, who is my tribe? All right. So in this case, because I work for Agorapults, I have multiple tribes. I have social media managers. Then I have, um, you know, marketing executives who control the budget. Then I also have RevOps people who are the ones who often say, this is the tech stack choice. So we're going to, buy Agora Pulse, or we're going to buy Hootsuite, or we're going to buy Spread Social, whatever it might be. Um, those are the tribes with my company. And then I say, who's the tribes with my own personal brand? Well, again, it'd be marketers, but it'll also be sales leaders because I have a sales background as well. So understanding my tribe, then I make sure the content I'm posting is adding value to those stakeholders. The challenge I have is that I have a big tribe in the sense of you know, talking to a VP of sales is going to be a very different piece of content and conversation than talking to a social media manager. So, you know, warning, it's it, sometimes you just can't be all things to all people. So you need to kind of focus on where your tribe was. So at my last gig, I was really into the sales world. That was where I was head of sales, zero a sales app, you know, sales tech. So I was all in on that one. Since I've come to Gorapults, I've had to give my sales tribe less love so I can give my marketing tribe more love. And it's a constant struggle. But the point I'm making in all of this 
is that if all of the people that I appeal to, that I target, that I intentionally want to connect with, I'm trying to add value, right? So, hey, social media managers, are you frustrated that you can't get more money doing business social media? You know, maybe you're, or you're not showing the results in, in organic social, or, you know, you're not having enough money to do paid uh, social. Let me tell you how to, you know, talk to your CMO to change that. So now I'm actually talking to two different people. The CMO is eavesdropping because I've mentioned their name, but I'm actually connecting with this. And the funny part is at the same time, the VP of sales is over here eavesdropping too, because they want more leads. So they're listening to what I'm posting and they're going back to their own head of marketing saying, you should read this post because this might help us. And then the RevOps person is out there going, dang, you know, if we can do this and this will drive more revenue, then I can show that the stack is, is, you know, more efficient, blah, blah, blah. So you want to make content is my whole point here that resonates with your tribe. And you want to make sure you don't overexpose yourself and try to be all things to all people, because then you'll just get totally lost and you will get lost in the noise. That's an elaborate scheme you have there. So how did you come up with the, how did you differentiate your tribe in the first place? So, okay, that's a good question. Uh, it's a, it's a really good question. It's a process I'm still working on clearly because tribes change. So in other words, pre COVID, there was a lot of people that were really prolific and had a lot of influence, um, that are much more quiet now, you know, like two or three years later during COVID people who weren't even on the radar became household names because they mastered how to work from home and they they went all in on social where they didn't before so all of a sudden those people had more influence so how do i master it well i think it's always keeping the the, the best advice to get to anybody is you should spend like two to three times as much consuming content if not more five times ten times as you are posting content and the reason you're consuming the content is because you're trying to do a couple of things, trying to get a pulse on who are the people who are influencing people's decisions, influencing people's opinions, influencing people's behaviors. Uh, and, and then once you identify those people, you want to connect with them and you want to comment actively on all of their, their posts and engage in conversations. So you, you do so much listening. So you identify them. The second part is you identify the issues that are topical. So for example, a year or two ago, it was really topical to really do a lot of shaming of sales development reps who do crappy email blasts with zero personalization and everybody was hammering them. You don't see that happening now because there's been a, a rebound from the community saying, hey, enough shaming. We understand. We'll fix ourselves. Move on. You're affecting my mental health. So if you're paying attention, you understand the topics that are, that are relevant. The third thing is once you understand the players and you understand what's being talked about, again, to my point, you got to be actively, actively, actively engaged in the conversations more than the posts. Ironically, the algorithms are somewhat gamed that your posts will reach, you know, as many people as you engage with. So if you're not engaging with people, but you're wondering why your posts aren't getting more comments, likes, and shares, it's because you're not, you know, it's not a, it's not designed to be a, a bullhorn, a megaphone just for you. It's designed to be a community. So engage more with the community and obviously your posts will get more likes and comments and shares because it'll be seen by more people. A lot of people miss that. Um, the last thing is 
And this is, I think this is a really valuable one that a lot of people miss. There's a reason my Twitter handle is opinionated. You have to have a take. It doesn't mean you're right. It doesn't mean you're wrong, but you have to have a take. If your take is, yeah, I agree with everything Anna said all day long, you're adding no value to everybody who's consuming your content. Whereas if you say, I love what Anna said here, she said A, B, and C, and I totally agree with her. Do it. It's been my experience too. But she also said D, E, and F, and I disagree with her. And this is why, this is my experience. Here's my lessons learned. What do you think? Is Anna right or am I right? Notice that last little bit, little bit of clickbait going on. I want you to get engaged. But the whole point is I added value. I didn't just blindly agree with you. I had a different point of view. So now the, the audience is going, well, I don't know. Is Anna right or is Daryl right? They both have valid points. Let's have this discussion. But I've added value to them. Maybe at the end of the day, they decide to follow Anna and do her D, E, and F. But that's okay. Now they're informed because they considered Daryl's version of DEF and then they discounted it and they're better for it. And they like that I challenged them because they're now going to have better results, even though they didn't do what I said. So it's, it's really about having a take and adding value. And a lot of people really, really, really struggle with that point. They really struggle. And the biggest comment I get from people all the time is, I don't know how to add value. I'm not that smart. I'm intimidated by the experts out there. And when I hear that, my response to them is bullshit. And they look at me like they're shocked. And I'll say, are you, are you, are you a sales rep? Are you on a sales call? Are you a marketer? Are you talking to, are you trying to qualify prospects? And they'll always say, yes. Great. What's the objection you get? I get this objection all the time, all the time. How do you respond to that objection? I'll respond this way. Oh, so you're telling me that you know the objection and you know the answer and you can educate them. And they're like, yeah. Okay, you're an expert. Now go share that on social media. And when I say it to them that way, they're like, dang, I never thought of it that way. I'm like, you have so much stuff to share. Even if it's not what people choose, you're part of the conversation, you're sparking debate, and people will be better off for it. And they'll thank you for it because you have challenged them. I said, so people just need to have faith in themselves. That's the biggest thing. That's what stops people from being more successful. That's a long-winded rant. I apologize. Cool, cool. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I also, th because you've mentioned so many interesting things. So obviously, I have so many questions at this point. But I wanted to go back to this idea of like, you know, leadership, not understanding social media every time. And I, I can imagine that quite a large group of our listeners are people who are running their own business and they... Perhaps, you know, they have started with their social media presence or maybe they are thinking about using social media to drive revenue now when you've said that it's possible. So if you could educate our listeners a bit, like, okay, what, what arguments, you know, are there so that you understand social media better? But, you know, as a business owner, as a leader, as, as someone who is responsible for the budget. And then if you could also include this idea of like marketing and sales because very often you know it's like okay should we do more marketing or more sales there are those in content for example it's it's a totally different thing like you have content marketing and it's a different breed and you have social sales enablement right and this is also like a different type of content so what about social media can you as a as a person who is about to start Ah, oh, you know, can you can you actually um, do both marketing and sales? Is it possible to align them, or should you decide 
let's do marketing first. And then we're going to switch to sales at some point. You know, how do you do that? Okay. So there's really kind of two questions there. One, if I'm hearing it right, one is, you know, where, what do I prioritize sales over marketing? Where do I start? The second I'm hearing you say it is, is how do I sell to you, Daryl? You know, if you don't necessarily think social media as a CMO is a real strategy, right? How do I convince you of my services to, you know, and get airtime, get you to actually listen to take, take my call. So like, did I get that right? Through social media. So let's start with, um, the second part first, how do you sell to me? And then we'll go back to where should you start? Okay. If you want to sell to me, I'm going to tell you, this is marketing 101. And I, I, and I know 98% of your audience already knows this. However, I'll say it anyway. Uh, you need to know your ICP, your ideal customer profile. A, so am I your ideal customer profile, right? So in other words, my services, I'm an independent consultant. I'm an expert at what I do. Um, I target, I'm making this up. Uh, high tech companies that are SaaS, that are based in North America, that have revenues between one and $10 million. That's, you know, that's my, I'm making that up. That's my sweet spot. I'm going to know everything else. Second part is based on that, I know at the company that size, there's going to be a head of marketing, likely a head of ops of some sort and a head of sales. They'll definitely have those three roles. Uh, the marketing team is probably going to be somewhat lean you know, smaller team. So they're going to probably have a hands-on head of marketer. That's what I can assume. Okay, great. So, and I can, I know at that company size, especially if they're SaaS, they've only got a runway of so much because subscription base means you're losing money until you get sufficient subscribers to make money. So there's going to be a rush just to get subscribers. And the second, the second thing I know is they're, they're going to keep the churn down low. I'm, I'm, what I'm telling you folks, I'm telling you everything related to the persona. The head of marketing is going, to, he's going to have an urgency to get customers and an urgency to keep churn down low because if the churn is too much, they're going to go back to the head of marketing and say, get us more leads to backfill all those who left us. Okay, that's the head of marketing's world. That's where you start. You come to me and you, you would hit, and, and, and I remember way back when I talked about most people who are like a social media manager or say a content writer, and I use those as examples, don't understand how to read financials. Okay. This is where you need to have a little bit of basic understanding because me and my role, I'm dealing with financials all the time. I'm dealing with the TLAs, the three letter acronyms. I'm dealing with, you know, uh, customer acquisition costs, CAC. I'm dealing with LTV, long-term value, I'm gonna, lifetime value. I'm dealing with MRR, the monthly recurring value. I'm dealing with ASP, the average selling price, right? These are acronyms these are KPIs, key performance indicators, another TLA that I'm throwing out all the time to measure my success and to be held accountable by my investors and be held accountable to the board and be held accountable to my executive team. That's what I measure against all the time. I do not measure against how many visitors came to my website. Nobody cares. All right. Nor does anybody care about vanity metrics. All right. Likes, comments, and shares, while interesting, do not put food on the table at the end of the day. All right. So I would approach me by saying the economy is tough. You're likely being tasked with doing uh, more with less. So, but knowing the typical SaaS play, while they may be cutting back your staff and cutting back your budget, they're probably not cutting back your targets. If that's right, 
would you be interested in knowing how you can dramatically increase an untapped channel, social media, to double, triple, quadruple the lead flow going into the company? And I can guarantee it will be your lowest cost of customer acquisition with minimal effort. Right. So if you say something like that and you're going to have to refine it, you just spoke to all my pain points because I am dreading every single week when I go to that management meeting and, and, and I have to talk about shitty numbers. I'm, I hate that conversation. The second thing you need to understand, and this is a really, 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 really important lesson I'm about to give every single person here. Most people make the mistake of saying, okay, well, Daryl, we have the ICP and we have the persona and we know that the head of sales has to hit the sales target. And we know that the head of marketing has to deliver so many MQLs. And so therefore my messaging is going to be, are you stressed about hitting that number? I can help you hit your number. Are you stressed about hitting your MQLs? I can help you hit your MQLs. That's not what I'm stressed about. I mean, yeah, it's annoying. It's frustrating. But I knew I had that problem when I took the job. It's just like breathing air. That problem will always be there. Even if I hit my number, they're going to want more. What you want to speak to when you're selling me or any other senior leader is what's the pain they had yesterday? What's the pain they had this morning that's top of mind? So if I'm in sales, I'd be saying to the sales guy, are you frustrated that your sales reps can't do a basic discovery session? Like, you know, whether it's MedPick or Spice or Bant, that you can't even ask the basic questions. Are you angry and frustrated? What if I showed you a way to simply address that very quickly? That's the personal pain. For me, it'd be like, are you frustrated that your social posts are getting zero engagement and you're getting asked if you know what you're doing by the leaders of your company or by your investors? Yeah, I'm frustrated that I'm getting zero engagement. All right, I can help you fix that. So the pain needs to be really recent and personal when you're selling to me. That's the first part. Okay, where do you start? Sales and marketing. Yes, is the answer. Okay, but I'll, I'll go into more detail. If Here's what you need to understand. The first thing that anybody who controls budget does, let's say you sent me that killer outreach, that email that we just talked about. And I'm like, who is this cat? I am interested. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to your website. I'm going to go to your LinkedIn profile. It's the first thing I'm going to do because now I'm looking for credibility. So if your website looks like crap, you're gone. If your LinkedIn profile looks like crap, you're gone. Why? Your risk. Your risk to me. So you have to invest in marketing your company. You have to invest in marketing you. Now, your LinkedIn profile could look great. So what's the next thing I do? I go look at your posts. Because now I want to know is, you know, they look credible, great education. They've been working for five years or 10 years. I like the companies they've worked with. I think they know my space. If your posts say nothing or all they are likes or shares and they're adding zero value to me, then I say, okay, this person does not understand me. Again, I don't trust them. I bounce. So I'm validating you. You had that killer email. You got my attention. Now I'm validating you. So the marketing needs to be invested on actually looking the game. But nothing more than that. You don't need to spend a boatload of money. This is all relatively low dollars and cents we're talking about. So then the next comes in is, is the sales. So the sales is huge. So, um, and, and that's what we need to do on the channel. You can't just use phone. You just can't use email. You just can't use social. You really need to use both, all three. You could use texting in certain countries. You could use direct mail. You need to get my attention. I'm telling you now, it's going to take me 
it's going to take you hammering me nine times, 10, 12 times, 12 times before I finally start laughing at your last, you know, touch where I go, okay, this person's earned the right for a meeting. They've been relentless. You're going to have to do that. You're going to have to hit me in multiple channels because, you know, chances are like, I don't pick up my phone, but others do, right? Um, so you don't know, so you gotta hit me. And that's the problem is too many people, when they talk about sales, they only stick to what they're comfortable with, which nine times out of 10 is email. And you don't want to see my inbox. You don't want to see guys like me who wake up in the morning. It's, it's just horrific. The emails we have, and they're all bot based and they're all on sequences. The first thing we do is we just go literally just do a bulk delete. And the only thing I'm using to decide if I open that email is your subject line. So your subject line better be amazing. And the second thing I do, if I open it because of the subject line, is then I look at, do I want to invest 10 seconds of my life reading this or not? So if it's if I have to scroll more than once on my phone, because that's where I start my day is on my phone, you're gone. So short, sweet, concise, hook me, engage me, speak to me, multi-channel outreach. And then when I check you up for credibility, make, you look, make sure you look good. You just do that. You're going to be successful, successful, successful. You do not need to spend a lot of money in, in marketing other than making sure you're credible. Cool. Agree? Thank you. Disagree? Oh, yeah. I agree. I, I, I feel that I agree. Um, still, you know, I wish it was like more popular. Uh, but I, I, I really like the idea of having a solid website and a solid LinkedIn profile. Like there is a real person standing behind the website. Yes. Because there was a time where actually if you didn't have a website, then you weren't credible. But now website is not enough because everybody might easily just create a nice looking website. But now I totally follow the idea of having both like the website and, and, and the social media presence. I agree with that bit, but let me just quickly cop in here. So I totally agree with that. It's nice to be the person behind the brand, but when you say it is not expensive or you don't necessarily need to invest a lot of money in order to grow yourself and your business on social media, I kind of disagree here because the time is money and as old fashioned and sticky as it is, that's really true. So if you're going to spend X hours a day growing your LinkedIn presence, it costs. It costs you. It costs the company. You're not going to do it after hours, probably, because if so, then the company should pay you for extra hours or shouldn't they? So I would say money is a pretty big thing here as well. Well, the question that you guys asked me is you said a lot of people have their own businesses and they're, you know, where do they start? Right. So you're right. If I'm a bigger organization, like let's say I'm 10 million, it's a very different kettle of fish than if I'm, you know, uh, 300,000. All right. And, and it's a lifestyle business and, and maybe it could be more if I just put in more time and more money. Um, so you're, you're a thousand percent correct, but this is where people miss the mark. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. The reason is it doesn't have to cost a lot of money is, is it's very simple. Okay. I can itemize it for you. A website does not cost much. I can pay 20 bucks a month and go daddy to host a website. I can spend 50 bucks one time to get a template. I can actually hire somebody at Upwork for like, you know, 500 bucks to do some customizations. I can write the content myself. Boom, I've got a reasonable, reasonable website. As long as, you know, it, you've thought about the buyer's journey and how they consume content and you have call to actions. So it doesn't have to, so let's be crazy. Costs a couple thousand dollars to build a, a, an entry level website that achieves this goal. Done. Social media, that's just, be, that's just your time. 
your time is money, but that's just your time, right? That's just your time. So you can actually do a lot of the social media. If you're a solopreneur or you're a startup company, you can do that in the evening because nobody works an eight hour a day. I mean, that's, if, if you're an entrepreneur, let's be candid about that. And you can do a lot of that in the evening, but let's say you don't want to. Fair enough. Let's go with that. Then it's about time blocking. This is okay. So I'm going to say a half an hour in the morning and a half an hour in the evening. So we'll say from eight to eight 30, I'm on LinkedIn and from four 30 to five or five to five 30, I'm on LinkedIn. Boom, done. Or, or wherever the social platforms you want to be on. And I, and, and maybe from seven 30 to eight, I'm just reading the industry news. And if I see an interesting article, I throw that into my social media publishing tool to schedule to do a share and a little commentary later on. And then once a week, I'm going to write a blog post. I'm going to SEM optimize it. So let's say it's four hours. It's over the course of six months that will accumulate. I'll get, you know, 26 blog posts. I'll SEO optimize. If they're done right, I'll start getting some good inbound traffic. Again, that's time. Um, and then if you look at the, the, you know, where's the bulk of your time spent? Let's say you spent four hours a day selling. And that leaves you roughly what I've just described, three hours a day to do follow-up activities on that sales cycle. That's if I'm a solopreneur. Now that assumes you've got one person doing the selling, which means you assume you have other people in the company doing the actual implementation or the consulting or whatever you've got. But at that point, the cost I have is for the actual cost of the, of, of the salary. If you time block correctly and you use enough automation, we open up by saying, what would you automate? Use enough automation. Then you can make this very reasonable. But all things are relative, and I a thousand percent agree with you. And you have to value. Do what do I value more for me personally? Is it is it my goals and aspirations for this company I'm involved in, or is it my life balance? And if it's your life balance, it's a personal choice. Then you understand it's going to take you longer to achieve your goals. And and and, and no decision is right or wrong. It's a personal decision. Cool. I I really like this perspective. Did you see what she did, folks? Do you see what Anna did? She disagreed with me and she pushed back. And we had a wonderful conversation. Do that on social. I love it. <laughs> That's what I was trying. That was what I was going for. I got inspired by your speech before. <laughs> and it should be. See, this is the thing. Too many people take disagreements as conflict. It's not. It's debate. It's philosophical discussions. It's. You know, let me understand all sides of, of, of the argument and then I'll make a personal decision. It does not have to be conflict. If you're making a conflict, folks, uh, you should be looking in the mirror. That is my uh, Darylism for the day. <laughs> no, I love it. Also, I love this kind of healthy arguing for the lack of better word. But yeah, there is even a saying that the truth comes from disagreements, basically. That that's how you learn. You yes, I love it. I love it. Cool. And now I have like moving on to another part, I guess we could speak a little bit about how you could actually turn social media into a revenue driving channel. You did mention a couple of really good things already, but how about some more specifics here? To turn social media into a, a revenue channel, there's, there's, there's different ways, right? So there's the marketing side where you're growing your, your base and your thought leadership so that people naturally come to you. Uh, that would be an inbound exercise. Uh, and they share your content. So shared content is inbound, but you'll hear the term dark social 
which means dark, meaning you can't attribute it. You can't measure, you can't say where that lead came from. So if I make a great piece of content and Anna shares it, and then the friend she shared it with shares it. And somebody finally says, yeah, you know, I got this from Susie. And I'm like, who the hell is Susie? What I didn't know is Susie would talk to Billy, talk to Sam, talk to Anna. And that's how it came to be. Cause that's what we do. We share great stuff. That's, that's compelling. So you got to have great content. That's the end of the day. You got to have content that relates to the audience, a little bit of time and investment. We talked about ICPs and personas, uh, great tools like uh, HREFs, SEMrush, or any other SEO, you know, optimization you can use to actually make it relevant and, and, and know that you're going to hit some, some, um, hot buttons or will increase your impact and your engagement dramatically. So if you want to drive revenue from social, there's the marketing side. And a lot of the other on the marketing side, the other thing I would look at is you really need to know the social platforms that your audience, your ICP hangs out in. For many, it's LinkedIn, but for others, it's Instagram, right? As an example. And for others, it, you know, Facebook is still relevant, although it's struggling. So you got to kind of go where your audience is, right? Um, if you're, if you're tight on bandwidth, just pick the biggest platform. And, and, and then as you have success and you have more money to invest, you can expand. Um, the other thing about how do you be successful on social is understand the medium, right? So people are often skimming their timelines, right? So I love Anna talked about the one social individual was passionate about photography. So they had great, great photos. If that's what your audience reacts to, especially on platforms like Instagram, invest in great photography, get by, you know, learn how to take a picture, you know, if you have to create it, you know, if I look at, I'm at my home studio here right now, right. But I've got lights because if I turn my lights off, and I'll do that right now. You can see how much darker I am, right? That's dramatic. When I've turned my lights on all of a sudden see how much brighter I am. That simple little change means that you'll see me in the timeline. It sounds stupid. I will be more visible. So it's my brand, simple little things, a mic, some mics, and these are things you can acquire over time. And by the way, I buy secondhand and used all the time because I'm cheap as hell. So you don't need to go and drop a boatload of money. The last thing is, um, when I say understand the medium, if it's Twitter, you know, short, tight, concise, you know, make your point. If it's LinkedIn, um, video is your friend. I mean, it's one tool, but it is your friend. People watch video and keep it short and tight, right? 30 seconds captioned, captioned, baby, be distinctive, look good, sound good. You know, if it's Instagram, you know, photography, again, it's your friend, you know, just lots of different memes and everything else really own it. Let your personality come out. So know the medium. And a lot of people are afraid of using memes. People are afraid of doing video. Okay. I'm going to give you some tough love right now get over yourself. All right. We all are afraid. We all screw up. We all look like idiots. I'm a 55 year old man with white spiky hair. What am I trying to achieve here? Okay. All right. But you can embrace it as well. You say, Hey, cause you know what, when you scroll your timeline and you say, who's the old guy that looks like Santa Claus with white spiky hair. Oh, that's Daryl. I like Daryl. I'm going to stop. Why? Not because of what I said, cause they're scrolling because of what they saw. And then they did an association and then they stopped. All right. So just understand the medium. So that's how you make money on that. The other side is on sales. Um, social selling, huge. All right. 
And you know where most people blow on a social selling and why it doesn't work for you? It's because you blatantly create dummy accounts. You try to follow us. We see we have one person in common and that you've been on the platform for two months and you've got a rather generic looking name. Um, and, uh, and you really have minimal content and your education is Spartan. And we go, yeah, this is a bot. We don't follow you. All right. So <sighs> investing, following the community. So that when I see, oh, we have 10 people in common, we have 20, we have 50 people in common. I go, oh, this is somebody in my tribe. So, because remember, I'm always going to check you out. Even if you reach out to me on social media, you send me an email, you send me an unsolicited a DM. Uh, I'm going to go check out your profile and see who you are before I respond. Because are you, are you worth my time or not? So um, the second part is, is when we follow, do not hit me up with a transactional message. 30 seconds later, which a lot of you automate and bots don't use bots. Trust me on this one. Don't use bots. We can all smell it. Um, invest the time to personalize it. Respect the individual. Be intentional. Stop treating them like a transaction. Stop talking about what you do. Stop making it all about you. You know, if you want my time attention, let's talk about me. I know it sounds selfish, but that's the way it works. All right. And if you earn the right and the trust, I will let you talk about you. It just may take a month, but in a month's time, I'll give you like an hour as opposed to right now. And you go for that quick close. I'm going to shut you down hard because I'm getting spammed nonstop. So there's, you know, when it comes to social selling, just understand there's no such thing as shortcuts. And yes, it's going to take time. And yes, you're going to say I'm out of capacity. Uh-huh. And if you're out of capacity, that just means you need to tighten up your target audience. Stop trying to hit 5,000 people. Instead, try to hit 50 and do it well and have success and build on that. So people are impatient on social. It does take time, but I will tell you that social selling is the number one channel. Fulfilling top of funnel, number one. Now, ironically, once you make that connection, it, 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 it disappears. And then you're back on the phone and email and having live conversations, which is what you want anyway. Now you're truly building rapport. But uh, that's it. Nothing rocket science. It's just putting the hard work. Don't be a douche. And, uh, and, you know, understand who you're trying to sell to. Don't be a douche. Maybe that should be the name of this episode. Don't be a douche. That's, there you go. How not to be a douche better. I like that. There we go. <laughs> I like it. We've nailed it. Now, agree, disagree. What did I miss? I mean, I like it, how it sounds so much because I like that sounds like a perfect closing statement for me. I kind of, there's things that I want to talk about. I know there's things Irak wants to talk about. I need to digest how well of a closing statement that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, in post-production, you can always move it to the end. So there you go. You're all set. It's all good. The power of editing, folks. There we go. I love it. I wanted to touch upon two things. Sure. One is because when you said about buying secondhand equipment, I thought about our friend Michal, who was on the podcast, and he's got a wonderful saying. It's cheap, so it must be good. Yeah. So that's the first thing. But then I wanted to ask you about the tribe and about like, you know, the network. Because in email marketing, we have a we have something called list hygiene. And basically yes. it means that you want to you don't want to have one hundred thousand people on your list. Um, you want to have people who are likely to do business with you on your list. So whether it's 10, 15, 20, 20 million, still you would like to send emails to people who are interested and then they are obviously more likely to be like engaging with your emails, opening and so on, you know. So does the same rule apply to social media? Because uh, when I 
checked my LinkedIn account. Oh man, I have a great network of people. I, I, I don't know mostly because there is a group of people, you know, that, that I engage with and they interact with me and this is cool. But I would say that this is, it's not bigger than 50 people. But when you look at the numbers, I have like around a network of 1,000 people, you know. So what should we do with that? Should we cater to this particular audience and be very picky? Uh, should we go after a certain tribe, you know? What is, what is your, let's say, tip here? Like what, what to do with the tribe or people who don't belong to our tribe, but they, we are connected to them on LinkedIn? So, you know, we're all people and we all like to eavesdrop. Uh, and, 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 and listening to other people's phone calls, so to speak. Um, I mean, tell me you haven't been on a train or a bus and listened to the guy talking on the phone next to you. Of course you have, right? You're like, what's he talking about? Um, so what I, why I bring that up is because you should be talking to your tribe, but if, you know, you have a post here and there that clearly he's not targeting your tribe. Um, but it does resonate with some of these, the other 50 people you talk about that you talk to on a regular basis. People get that you have a life, you know, people go to my Twitter, they'll see me talking about marketing and then they'll see me bitching about, you know, my favorite hockey team. Well, my hockey team has nothing to do with marketing, but I'm still a hockey fan and they understand I'm a hockey fan. And what it does is it personalizes and humanizes me. And they're like, Oh, look at that. They're likes hockey. That's kind of cool. I didn't know that. Maybe next time I'll talk to him, I'll ask him what his favorite team is. Who knows? Right. So people understand that. But at the end of the day, you should be talking to your tribe uh, because that's more than anything. Remember, the whole conversation was, what's the main goal of social media in business? So in business, we said it's to drive money. And if it's to drive money, that's your target ICP and your target personas. And that's who you should be talking to. Um, And if you want to really talk to other people, the other 50 people that are perhaps more of a personal nature, very, very different. There's nothing to stop you from creating a second social media account, your work account and your life personal account. And, and there you go. Um, so you can mix it up is really what I'm saying. And then you have options. The thing I want to come back to, you made a really great point. You said I could have a thousand followers, but I'm only talking to 50. So this is what I get all the time is I get people saying, I get no engagement or I just talk to the same people over and over again. I'm not making progress. And I'm saying, nay, nay. Uh, Nene is a great, uh, is it John Panette? Panano? Panette? It was a great comic. His line was always Nene, meaning, no, that's not true. Let me explain. And I remind people that 90% of the views of your posts are from lurkers. They're people who will never like, never comment, never share, never do bupkis. They will just consume because they're shy or they're wanting to stay hidden, or they don't want to spark conflict with a, with a comment and get roasted by the trolls. So they just consume. The vast majority of the leads I get coming in from my social media presence are from the lurkers. They're not from the people who are actively commenting on my stuff. Because they say, you just go to this, I've been following you for a while, and I think you can help me based on what I've read from your content. Let me explain my situation and can we talk about it? So don't forget those other 950 people are still consuming your content. They just may not be actively engaging. Okay, cool. Thank you. Because you've also like pointed out a very significant difference between email marketing and social that you have lurkers on social. You don't have lurkers in email marketing. Like email, they just mark you as spam or unsubscribe or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Get me off your list. 
I mean, I do that. I I don't spam. If people really annoy me, I do. But I read so many emails that I either didn't plan to read or didn't want to read, but I end up reading it for some mysterious reason. I don't click but on anything. Once you open it, it's already like, you know, in the statistics. So then you are actively like engaging. So, you know. You, you, you but then everything about email is statistics. Sure, sure. But but all you need to do is open the email. But here you you, you just yeah, nobody knows that you've seen the post even, right? It's like But you could argue there's open rates or there's click-through rates, right? So like newsletters are a great example. I I could argue I lurk on newsletters, I get them, they annoy me, oh, and they're polluting my inbox. But if there's I come from a brand or an individual that I like, I open it. Like, for example, I think on my case, every Saturday I get an e a newsletter from Justin Welsh and I get a newsletter from Devin Reed, both people who are entrepreneurs, marketers who I respect. I open it. So I, and I'm, I am a, I'm an open rate statistic. I rarely click through, but when I, but I do because I am a lurker, will I ever comment or reply to the emails? Of course not. It's a newsletter. It's a one-way push where in social, you can, that's the big difference that you can have engagement. Uh, but, you know, I have reached out to both Devin and Justin privately because of a newsletter. I have done that. You know, newsletters do work, folks. Just want you to know that. Uh, they may not work significantly, but they work. As long as your content's good or overriding themes, social, email, Good content. Stop pitching. There you go. And there you go. Now you know so much more about the fun ways to use social media, both for your brand and your personal growth. But you might be wondering at this point, what the hell are we doing talking about social media in this sprint dedicated to tools? And let me stop you right there, because here's the thing. Not all of the super fancy AI tool solutions we'll be talking and covering here are going to be state of the art and something you've never heard of before. Actually, I hope for your sake that you have heard of them before. And what is a better way to kickstart the year by making a resolution and committing to better social visibility of yourself in your both personal and professional brands? That's why our tools of this episode are very simple. It is LinkedIn. And think of all the magical things you can do with a proper profile. I'm going to leave you to them because nobody knows what you, your tribe, and your company needs better than yourself. But do marinate in it for a little bit. And in the meantime, you can listen to more episodes of Operation Automation available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. I hope you're enjoying our new sprint. If you have any ideas or you would like to get in touch with me and Irek, or simply you want to say thank you for doing this amazing marketing automation podcast, don't hesitate to reach out at podcast.getresponse.com or through Stitcher or Spotify or whatever is the most convenient option for you. Looking forward to hearing from you and hear you in two weeks about the next episode dedicated to a super cool brand new technology you might have heard of, but I think you haven't. Stay tuned. Operation Automation is backed up by GetResponse, the marketing automation platform that's been on the market for over 20 years. Subscribe for more juicy insights. And remember, automate, don't complicate.